Hey folks, thanks for tuning in again and happy holidays to all of you. What we got on tap for tonight, I got some of my choices for the very worst of the vaping community 2014. My man Cisco will be coming on towards the beginning of the program to talk about all this controversy with the Aspire Atlantis coils and people say you're vaping shards of glass and all sorts of other stuff. We'll talk about that. And my man Dino will be coming on to talk about one of the recipients of the worst of vaping community 2014. So says me, Zmater from Italy, who uh, has reportedly scammed anywhere between 70 and 100 grand of uh, people's money for a $500 mod he never delivered on. Before we start that, I was talking to a friend and uh, we were actually talking about Hanukkah. Shit, I gotta call my mom. We were actually talking about Hanukkah, and then we were talking about Christmas. And, you know, I don't, I didn't really know very much about Christmas. So I just, you know, I know all religious holidays, let's face it, it's all bullshit. And I knew Christmas was bullshit. I mean, everybody, you know, you won't find a religious scholar who will tell you that, that Christ was, you know, the one, the, the guys that believe in him. And you won't even find any of them tell you he was born on December 25th. So I I don't know anything about this holiday. Let me look into it. So I started looking into it, and it is truly fascinating. Let me tell you about Christmas. First of all, everybody, you know, nobody's, like I said, Christ wasn't born if he was born. But if he was born, he wasn't born at the end of December. So why December 25th? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but for a lot of religions or, or organizations or cults or anyone who wants to make a holiday, you know, back in the day, the end of December is a good time for a holiday because back when life was hard and you used to have to, not that it isn't now, but back when, you know, shit was real and you had to actually stock up for the winter, uh, the end of December was a time when you really didn't have much to do. The cattle had been slaughtered, the, mine, the, the wine is fermented. Your labors of the summer to provide for the winter are done by this time, so you're flush with stock, not much to do, so it's a ter perfect time for a party. And that is how Christmas began. It began as one hell of a party. Uh, the Roman pagans first introduced the holiday of, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, um, Saturnalia, which was actually a, a week-long period of complete lawlessness celebrated between December 17th and December uh, 25th. This was back, um, you know, like the 3rd and 4th century, or, or maybe even a little before. Um, during this time, uh, the Roman courts were closed, uh, and Roman law actually dictated, the, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard, that nobody could be punished for damaging property or injuring people during the week-long celebration. The festival began when the Roman authorities would choose an enemy of the Roman people to represent the, the Lord of Misrule, by which each Roman community selected a victim who they forced to indulge in food and other physical pleasures throughout the week. And at the festival's conclusion on December 25th, Roman authorities believed that they would be destroying the forces of darkness by brutally murdering this innocent woman or man. Uh, the, the ancient uh, Greek uh, writer and poet, historian Lucian, 
uh, wrote of Saturnalia. He, des- he described the uh, the festival's observance um, amongst so much here, the, uh, human sacri- amongst the human sacrifice, which we just dis- discussed. There were other customs, uh, widespread intoxication, going house to house while singing naked, which uh, today we have Christmas, caler- uh, Christmas carols, cal- carolers, mostly clothed now, um, rape and other sexual license, and consuming human-shaped biscuits, which we still have today in the form of gingerbread men. In the 4th century A.D., all this is A.D., obviously nobody was uh, (laughs) celebrating Christmas B.C. So in the 4th century, uh, Christianity actually attempted to kind of take in the Saturnalia festival, hoping to take advantage of converting some of the pagan masses. Um, While it was successful in converting uh, many of the pagans to Christianity, um as they promised them, hey, you can you can continue to celebrate the Saturn uh, the Saturnalia as Christians. The problem was um, there was certainly nothing in, in intrinsically Christian about the Saturnalia holiday. Uh, to to remedy to the, this, the the Christian leaders named um, Saturnalia's concluding day, December twenty fifth, to be Jesus's birthday. Obviously, um, you know, for for convenience. While they had success in converting people, they had the Christians had very little, uh, very little to show for it in terms of actually refining the practices of Saturnalia. Even though now it was considered Christmas, um, professor uh, at the University of Massachusetts of An- at Amherst, uh, Stephen Nisbaum, uh, wrote, "Quote: In return for ensuring massive observance of the anniversary." Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Quote, in return for ensuring massive observance of the anniversary of the Savior's birth by assigning it to this resonant date, the church for its part tacitly agreed to allow the holiday to be uh, to be celebrated more or less the way it always had been, end quote. The uh, earliest Christmas holidays were indeed celebrated by drinking sexual indulgence, uh, singing naked in the streets, et cetera, et cetera. A whole lot changes for how December 25th is celebrated, or Christmas is celebrated, at least what's done on December 25th, depending on what pope you had. For example, in the year 1466, Pope John Paul, I'm sorry, not Pope Paul II, what he would do on December 25th was he'd round up the Jews and he would overfeed them and force them to run naked throughout the streets in the city. An eyewitness account reports. Oh, and by the way, uh, most of the citations, most most of the information I got for um, this section comes from a book called uh, The Popes Against the Jews, The Vatican's Role in the Modern Rise of Anti-Semitism by uh, David I. Kurtzer. Anyway, so in 1466, Pope Paul II would overfeed the Jews and make them run naked through the city. An eyewitness uh, account reports, quote, before they were to run, the Jews were richly fed so as to make the race more difficult for them and at the same time more amusing for the spectators. They ran amid Rome's taunting shrieks and peals of laughter while the Holy Father 
stood upon a richly ornamented balcony and laughed heartily. Um, this was a part of uh, this horse race um, called the Vita Lada, um, which which became known from the annual event of uh, the Via del Corso. Uh, this this event revealed deep anti-Semitism. Um, in addition to the running of the Jews through the streets, uh, the Jews were forced to visibly identify themselves by wearing yellow handkerchiefs in public, a process later mimicked by the Nazis during the Holocaust. When you go into the 18th and 19th century centuries, um, the rabbis of the Jewish ghetto in Rome were forced to wear clownish outfits and march through the city streets to the jeers of the crowd, pelted by a variety of rotten food and other projectiles. When the Jewish community of Rome sent a petition in 1836 to Pope Gregory XVI, begging him to stop the annual abuse of the Jews on December 25th, he responded, it is not opportune to make any innovation. End quote. In other words, fuck off. That led to riots across the country. In Warsaw, 12 Jews were brutally murdered, huge numbers maimed, and mass rape of Jewish women. Um, I don't know how much two million rubles worth of property destruction is, but I assume it was quite a lot. Um, taking a small step backwards, as the beginnings of our country were in the uh, in the late 1600s, because of its known pagan origin, Christmas was actually banned by the Puritans, and observance of Christmas was actually illegal in Massachusetts, between 1659 and 1681. Of course, later as time went on, uh, this was not observed in the settlement of Jamestown, but in the 1700s is when you started to see Christmas actually being celebrated in mass in America. That said, Christmas was not actually declared a federal holiday until June 26th, 1870. Now, we all know Santa Claus. You know, how did Santa Claus come about? As you may know, it's loosely based on St. Nicholas. Now, who was St. Nicholas? I never bothered to look before. Fascinating character. Uh, he was born in Turkey in 270, the year 270, and later became a bishop of Myra. He died in the year 345 on December 6th. He was not yet made a knight. I'm sorry, not a knight, a saint. He was not yet named a saint until the 19th century. Long time in between. Why so long? Well, he was one of the senior bishops who did convene the Council of Nicaea in 325 and created the New Testament. Um, the text that they produced portrayed the Jews as the children of the devil who sentenced Jesus to death. In the year 1087, a group of sailors who idolized Nicholas moved his bones from Turkey to a sanctuary in Italy. Um, there, Nicholas supplanted uh, a female boon-giving deity called the Grandmother, who used to fill their, uh, the children's stockings with gifts. 
um, this uh, the shrine at Bari later became the center of the Nicholas cult. Members of this group gave each other gifts during a pageant they concluded annually on the anniversary of Nicholas's death, December 6th. The Nicholas cult spread north until it was actually adopted by German and Celtic pagans. Um, they represented very non-Christian gods, uh, um, Thor, Belder, to um, gods of war and, and whatnot. Um, when Nicholas merged with some of these other cults, he shed his Mediterranean appearance, grew a beard, mounted a flying horse, rescheduled his flight for December, and donned heavy, heavy winter clothing. In yet another bid for converting pagans in Northern Europe, the Catholic Church adopted the Nicholas cult and taught that he did, and they should, distribute get, gifts not no longer on December 6th, but now on December 25th. Uh, Dr. Clement Moore, a professor at the, universe, uh, at the Union Seminary, um, in 1822 published a poem based on the character Santa Claus. "'Twas the night before Christmas, went all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in the hope that St. Nicholas would soon be there. Moore added the innovation of uh, portray portraying a, a picture or a drawing of Santa Claus with eight, with eight reindeer who descended through chimneys. Um, that, I'm sorry, that wasn't a picture. It was just a story. The picture, sorry about that. The picture uh, came um, in 1862. The Bavarian illustrator Thomas Nast got us pretty close to the picture that we have today of Santa Claus. He drew over 2,000 images of Santa for Harper's Weekly. Before Nast, St. Nick had been pictured of a, as really a whole bunch of stuff, everything from a from a stern-looking bishop to a, 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 a gnome-like a gnome, a gnome, a gnome -like figure in a frock. Uh, Nast also gave Santa a home in the North Pole, his workshop filled with elves, and his list of the good and bad children of the world. What was absent was the cherubic figure with the white beard and the red outfit. Where did that come from? A lot more recently than I would have guessed. That came in 1931, courtesy of the Coca-Cola Corporation. They contracted a Swedish artist named uh, Haddon Sumblum to create an image of Santa Claus drinking Coca-Cola. He modeled the Santa on a friend of his who was chosen for his cheerful chubby face. The corporation insisted that Santa's fur trim suit be bright Coca-Cola red. And so the modern day Santa was born a blend of Christian crusader, a blend of Christian crusader, pagan God, and last but not least commercial idol. I don't know if it was coincidence or causality, but in the same year, 1931, construction workers started the Rockefeller, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree tradition. So there you have it, folks. Merry Christmas. Um, how will you celebrate these? 
the, the history of this religion. I, I, I implore you, don't, don't go out, you know, don't drink too much. Don't rape your neighbor's wife. And, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't kill any Jews. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody, everybody. Needed, needed cheat sheet for the rest. Sorry, mom. So I want to talk about some stuff. Um, Cisco, can you call in? Uh, let me. I don't even have my my switchboard. Yeah, now's a good time to call in, Cisco. Thanks. I want to talk about these Aspire Atlantis coils and all this controversy. I've been using this product uh, very regularly, actually. I'm at this point. I'm using it more than my drippers, just out of it's like. 90% is good, maybe even 95% is good, and, you know, 20 times more convenient at the least. The coils are expensive, but that's the price you pay for convenience, and I am, you know, honestly pretty floored by just how convenient and how good this Clearomizer is. My my opinion of its performance has not changed at all. If anything, it's gotten a little, it's gotten stronger. It's just, it's been a fucking champ for me since I've gotten it. So um, I was interested when I started seeing reports and pictures taken with a microscope of the inside of these Atlantis coils, people suggesting that there's shards of glass in it, that there's metal particulates that'll come off it. And, you know, there's like this, there's this group. I don't know how big they are, but there's a lot of people. There, there are people out there. I don't know. They're getting attention, uh, making explicit claims that this is, an extremely unhealthy device to use. So I'm looking at the stuff and, you know, I'm just not really qualified enough to, to, to talk about this intelligently. But I know someone who is a lot more intelligent than me who knows a little bit about it. Let me bring on my man, Cisco. Cisco, can I get a sound check from you, my friend? Hello. I desire to speak to the host. <laughs> You got him. Welcome to the show. Thanks maybe for maybe smarter than you, but doesn't mean I'm qualified. All right. Well, you got some thoughts, and that's good enough. How about that? Hello. <laughs> All right. Hey, happy holidays, man. Um, so, hey, happy holidays, my friend. So I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm seeing these pictures. So I saw that picture where they were showing that you know the, on the on the left they got a picture of the inside of 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 the. Uh, Atlantis and on, on the right they got just some regular regular Japanese cotton and the Japanese cotton just looks like a bunch of strands of fiber and the Atlantis looks like a glacial shelf of uh, of ice of, of of like glass shards so 
you know, it's if you just look at that, you know, that's pretty convincing. You say, hey, why, you know, why would I want to vape that? Um, what is what is the why does it look like that? Why are you, why are we looking at something that looks so scary? What is it? It's silica. I mean, that microscopic shot that you see is no different than the silica we've been using for six years. It's the same exact stuff, whether it's, you know, uh, wicking or echo wool or anything made from silica under a microscope. That's what it looks like. It's made from sand, which is ultimately glass. Right. So, the, you know, I don't know what, you know, that, that picture's popped up before, years ago. Every three or four months it pops up and everybody starts to get paranoid. I mean, that's been around here on ECF back since like 2009. It's the same thing. And, uh, you know, if you're not comfortable with vaping it, then don't. The, the, there's no question that if you inhale a large amount of silica uh, particles over time, you know, you, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but you, you, you're quite familiar with that. Um, um, it's, yeah, I mean, you have to inhale a huge amount of silica. Um, my dad died from inhaling silica. Silica poisoning is basically what he got from, uh, he owned a concrete plant and breathed in concrete dust and sand dust six days a week for 40 years and it killed him. Yeah. But, you know, the, the amounts that he, you know, that he would breathe in every day are just insane. And there's a couple of different kinds of, uh, silica too. There's, uh, I think it's called amorphous and crystalline. And one of them is worse than the other. You know, basically gets into your lung and sticks into your lung tissue like a knife and, and stays there. You yeah. can't, there's no way to get it out. But, uh, you know, with, um, if you're exposed to it, you, you, it could kill you. But, I mean, you know, it, it takes years and years and a lot of it. Right, like so... So it comes... So, for example, like in the, in the case of like your father, who was inhaling huge amounts of it, where I'm sure in a concrete factory, there's so much of it in the air that you can actually see it floating in the air. Um, oh, and, yeah. And it's in the air. It's, and it's thick and it's in there all the time. It never dies down. It's just, you know, it's always in the air. And, uh, you know, your lungs can't filter that much out. And even with that extreme amount, it, it took, you know, a lot of years for it to take its effect yeah that's that's kind of the you point know, so, i was uh, that's kind of the point i was going to make i mean this is you're talking about one of the worst real world environments where you're going to be experiencing this level of of the silica in the air and even at that it it took decades you know to have an effect that i mean i'm sure i'm sure if you walk by a construction site once a week you didn't have more silica than you would vaping for months I mean, it's just, you know, they're so small and light that they float and they, you breathe them in. A lot of them, you know, when you vape, if they come, you know, the silica starts to disintegrate in the coils after a while. That's why, you know, you can only really clean them a few times. And if you can't re-wick them, that silica starts to break down. And, you, you know, that can be carried in the vapor because it's so small. And a lot of it just sticks in your mouth and, you know, you just... It'll just come out, but if it gets down in your lungs, there's a good chance it could stay there. But I mean, you have to, it would probably take a long time to cause some kind of permanent effects. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the point I mean, is that is I'm that saying it won't, though. 
Yeah, yeah we just, we kind of don't know, but at, at this stage, you have to consider the poison. You also have to consider the dose. We don't know what the dose is. It's certainly not as right. bad as standing in a concrete factory, you know, six days a week, but it's, there is a dose. Um, so, I mean, it's a good thing. I think that people are at least aware of this so that if you're the kind of vapor that really is going to take any precaution available to you to vape as safely as possible, well, if you're of that mindset, then perhaps you want to avoid this. Uh, you, you won't, you certainly won't right. have data on the actual effects for decades. Um, there may be preliminary research that will say exactly how much of this is coming off in real world vaping, uh, vaping right. setups. But it's, you know, the, the whole witch hunt of, you know, you know, people making allegations that, you know, they're putting shards of glass into clearomizers is uh, at, at the least premature to, to make those kind of conclusions. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at anything under a microscope, you'd be petrified. I mean, some of this stuff is pretty scary looking, but I mean, it, it's an easy test to do. I mean, for some, you know, scientists to determine how much silica is actually carried in the vapor, capture it and make a determination of how much you're getting versus you know, some other real world applications to see if it is dangerous. I mean, there's no way it's not dangerous, but you know, the level of danger, it could be nothing. It could be no worse than walking out in the street. You know, when you got a landscaper next door blowing all the sand in the street in the air, I mean, you're breathing that in. Sure. I mean, you know, there's, there's no, it's no different, no different at all. So, so, you know, at the end of the I day, mean, let, you know, let, just think, let, let the buyer beware, you know, me, the way I figure, I'm going to keep using the coils, you know, like I, I, I have not been convinced right. that, 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 you know, and maybe there will be data that comes out one day. I don't know, but I, I'm not convinced that any amount of silica that I may be, we don't even know if there is any that's actually getting inhaled, but any that may be inhaled um, is just so small to the, to, to the level of damage that I've already done to my lungs from cigarettes. I, I, I really don't think it's going to make a difference. And to put it in perspective of say, chemicals that could be in the vapor um, just by the e-liquid itself. Um, listen, you put a gun to my head and you say, hey, what's more likely to do lung damage? Um, the silica in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a clearomizer coil or, you know, large amounts of diacetyl or acetylpropanol. I'm, I'm, I'm picking the acetylpropanol and diacetyl all day because, I mean, some of the, some of the liquids out there, the, the levels are so high of that stuff. I'm not talking about the trace amounts. I'm talking right. about the shit that's like, that's so high that that is certainly, that is certainly causing damage if you're vaping, you know, 10 mils of it a day, as many people do at very high wattages. So, you know, that's, yeah. you pick your poison, you know? I mean, I think it's great information that people are aware of, you know, the potential dangers of silica and it's up to them to determine if they're willing to take that risk or not. You know, but um, it's good that it's out there so people are aware. And if you really are afraid of it, then move over to cotton, which I'm sure is going to have some danger that we don't even know of yet. Well, we know I mean, it's well, well we know it's we know it's not good to get it too hot. Um, and a lot of people get it pretty hot, so take that for what it's worth. Right. So pick your poison. Exactly. Um, ah, something else that just flew in out of my head. Um. I don't remember. So, um, what's? I know you hate to do this, but what's new? What's new with uh, with Avid and Insignia? How's Marquis going? Marquis going great. We're actually, uh, 
think we're about five weeks in, and we're coming down to the end of a thousand piece drum. We're probably going to run out in the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, there's your. So it was great. It was a great product. Received very well. A lot of people like it, and uh, that makes me happy. Right on, right on. Um, Cisco from Avid Vapor and Insignia Design Group, thank you for your perspective on this. Much appreciated as always. Thanks for joining me tonight. No problem, brother. I'll talk to you later. Have a good holiday. Thanks, you too. There he goes, everybody. My man, Cisco. Literally the third person I ever met in real life from vaping. On that fateful day in August, 2010. Okay, um, let's do a couple of things before we get to, uh, and then I'll bring Dino on to talk about this Italian scammer. Let's see what I got in my notes here. So this is, uh, uh, let's just do some random stuff. This is probably, listen, I'm, I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I there are, are, are few, if I, I can't think of a gun law I, I, I support, an, an anti-gun law I support. The very, very few, at least. That said, I respect um, those that, how can I put this? I understand that there's some people that may be confused about guns who want to seriously restrict or outright ban even. You know, I, a lot of these people, much like the public health people and and, and who fight against vaping, that they, that they do have good intentions that they're just misinformed. And that's, you know, warrants uh, a balanced discussion of all points. Um, what this group did, I'm so sorry, I forgot the name of the group, but it'll be in this, uh, in this link that I share. This is the most reckless thing I've ever seen from an anti-gun group. And this just goes in the category of shit you can't make up. This group has released a video on YouTube that literally teaches children to steal their parents' guns, bring them to school, and give them to their teachers. Now, the interesting thing about this video, I'll, I'll drop you the link in a second, The interest, and it'll be in the replay notes, the interesting thing about this video is that it is not depicting what one would consider a broken house. It's actually depicting... The exact opposite. Looks like a happy, lily-white suburban family. Kids walking around the house. His mom seems like a sitting on the couch watching TV. Looks like Americana. Then he goes into his parents' bedroom, goes digging through a drawer, and takes the gun out of the drawer and puts it in his knapsack, his, his backpack for school. He then goes to school, goes about his business. Doesn't it's he doesn't even go straight to the principal's office or anything. So it's so it's implying that there's nothing wrong with this family. There's no signs of abuse, no signs of neglect. The clean house, America. Takes a gun, ostensibly loaded, to school, and proceeds to go through his day. And then, at the end of one of his classes, goes up to his teacher at the front, takes the gun out of his knapsack and slams it down on the table, barrel pointed at her. And then the only words of the video are, you know, I don't, I don't feel safe 
with having a gun in my house. Please take this away from me. I'm not making this up. I mean, even if the kid, I, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. I mean, just assuming that the kid made it to school without having the thing fire in his backpack. Cause you, and you can even see in one, in one part of the video, he's throwing books in his bag with the gun in there. He's just throwing books in there, taking it in and out. So, I mean, there's an assumption that this, this child doesn't even know how to handle a gun. And here he's got a loaded one in his bag that this anti-gun group is, is purporting to be a good idea. This is what you should be doing, children. There's no indication that the gun is illegal. There's no indication that he has a bad family. Just steal your parents' guns and then bring them to school. Can you imagine what would happen if the kid got caught with the gun in his bag? It's over. Even, or forget that, he turns it in, right? Let's say the gun's completely, what happens then? He's guilty of at least a half a dozen felonies. <laughs> I mean, he probably wouldn't be prosecuted for the, for, the, for the theft of the gun, but brandishing, I mean, not having a, a concealed carry license. I mean, there's just, you, there's plenty of gun laws out there. I mean, the only thing that would save him would be that he's a minor, but fuck it, man. You're, you're screwed. It's okay, man. If, if you're against guns, make your rational arguments, but this is, this is like on the, this is really on the border. I mean, as big of a second amendment supporter I am, I'm a big first amendment supporter also. But this is really pushing the the boundary. This is a group who's probably getting taxpayer dollars. I, I should have looked into that. Who is encouraging children to do very illegal and very dangerous things. Even when there's no evidence that there's anything wrong with the family. This is the most reckless shit I've ever seen in my life. Well, there you go. And, and I mean, the other thing that this video, it's not like just some guy in his basement with, a, with an iPhone. This is, it actually has production value. And if you look at the credits, there's dozens of people who were involved with this. So this wasn't just like one crazy guy or, or a woman deciding to make a YouTube video. No, this is like a whole organization. They've got a production team. They've got dozens of actors. They've got video editors. They've got post-production. I mean, this passed through no less than 100 people's hands who thought this was a good idea. It, it defies all, all reason. And the list of other atrocities of, of the week, there's this new thing with, with child protection. that they, The things that, I don't know, they, they seemed, they, they were normal. When I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, I could ride my bike. I could, I don't know, I could take it and take it to the park, take it to the school, take it to town. Um, this was a normal thing to do. You go and you play in the park with your friends. That's, that's suburbia. It's America. Whatever you want to call it. And there have been a lot of these stories popping up. I, I thought this was pretty normal five years ago, but it's not normal today anymore. There's this father, he lets, lets his kids walk two blocks from his home.
to a park to play. And then gets, uh, the, you know, CPS gets called, that gets called on the family. Now, at first, the way the story goes is um, um, Reason has been following this. As you might not be uh, surprised, great magazine. Uh, the Maryland mother uh, who did get, or the, the mother was initially contacted by this uh, Maryland uh, CPS from uh, Montgomery County child welfare service and uh, she was contacted in November after her kids ages sixes and ten were playing at the park two blocks away from the home she was cited for allowing a child under age eight to be locked or confined in a dwelling building enclosure or motor vehicle while the person charged is absent uh, suddenly playing in a park is now a citable offense for being confined in a dwelling. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, at the time, it got some press and CPS backed off and said, you know what, the higher-up said, this is insane. Forget about it, case closed. Until this week. Um... The mother uh, told Reason, it seemed that we had called their bluff and they were going to leave us alone, but not for long. This past Saturday, while I was out of town, my husband dropped my kids off at a park about a mile from our house and said they could walk home together. They got halfway there when someone called the cops. Uh, the kids were picked up in a patrol car and brought home. The policewoman then asked to see my husband's ID. When he refused, she said she was going to call for backup. Then he reluctantly agreed he'll go inside and get his ID. The cop said in front of the kids that if he came down with anything else, that shots would be fired. Well, that escalated quickly. At this point, her 10-year-old um, daughter, I think, called her crying, saying the police were there and the daddy was going to be arrested. Um, my favorite quote from the article um, my husband stepped outside to continue the conversation away from the kids. When he disagreed with one of the officers about the dangers that walking alone posed to kids, the police officer asked the husband, don't you watch TV? The father's answer was no. They took notes and left. Two hours later, child protection came up with a temporary plan, which they wanted uh, my husband to sign, stating that he would not let the children be unsupervised until Monday when someone from their office could contact them, sign this. Now he refused. Child Protection then called the police saying that if you didn't sign it, that they would take the kids away right then. He felt he had no other choice but to sign the paper. So now it's back, and now they got this like history. It's crazy. I don't know where... Montgomery County is, but I would guess it's Lily White. I'd guess it's safe. I don't know. This is, this is they got nothing better to do. Kids playing at a park. Threatened to shoot parents. Okay. Um, this is fucking bullshit. How many of you have ever said that? This is fucking bullshit. I say it 
about 30 times a day. Uh, this kid got arrested for it. You know, what gets me about this is basically the kid and a bunch of his friends were, were hanging out somewhere, public place. Apparently they got an ordinance against skateboarding. This kid wasn't skateboarding, but one of his friends was. So when his friends got cited for skateboarding, the cops said, you all got to leave now. Um, none of the other kids had done anything wrong. There was only one of them skateboarding. So the kid said under his breath, this is fucking bullshit. And then was promptly arrested for, uh, I believe, disturbing the peace or civil, dis uh, what was it? A disorderly conduct. Saying this is fucking bullshit as disorderly conduct. There were no, there were no little kids around or anything. Not that I, listen, I think it's distasteful to curse in front of children um, I see this every day. You should see where I live, the parents, they take their kids out. They are using every four letter word known to man with their kids who are barely able to walk, sometimes holding them right in their arms. The N word, the F words, everything. I mean, and I find it distasteful. Do I think they should be arrested? No. But then certainly this kid shouldn't be as well. He is fighting it. He actually went to court. Or in his case, he lost. So he's got to go and make an appeal. Um, this is like one of those things where it's a $200 ticket. But it's more of the principle. So I don't know how how far he has the ability to take this. But um, this could and should be one of those Supreme Court test cases. What else is going on with our police? Well, here's a cop that decided it was uh, just to uh, taser a 76-year-old man for not having his uh, his inspection. By the way, um, the, the guy who was driving, he didn't have inspection because he worked for a car dealer, and it's a new car. He was going to get gas for it, and at least in this state, you don't have to. It was in Texas. So in, in this state or in this county... Uh, you don't have to have inspection for a new car if you're a new car dealer. That did not stop the police officer from um, handcuffing and then tasering this guy. The police chief later profusely apologized. And this is one of those cases where the cop is actually likely to lose his job. Um, here's a police force that was so desperate, they had a cop who had a... Nothing else to... I would call it a rap sheet of offensives against uh, citizens, including one where a man was contacted by the officer for smoking cigarettes in a public park. There was no ordinance against smoking in this public park, yet the cop did um, approach him. Something happened where he ended up chasing this guy through the park, and then mysteriously, the guy ends up shot in the head with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Didn't make a lot of sense to me, but that was just one of many. The police force decided, excuse me, that they had enough of them. They wanted them off the force. And they tried as hard as they could, but because of the police union, they couldn't get them out. And only after actually paying him $100,000 were they able to actually get rid of him. So this is like one of those cases where you got a good police chief, a good police force saying, we want this guy out. And their hands were tied until they paid him a six-figure settlement. And you wonder why more bad cops aren't fired. It's hard. Uh, this cop in uh, Richmond, 
he decided instead of a, he seized five pounds of marijuana in a drug bust, instead of putting it into evidence, he shipped it to himself by, uh, I think, FedEx or, uh, or UPS. He got caught, and his excuse for having five pounds of marijuana was first, well, first they just caught him with two pounds of it that were in the house. They said, what are you doing with this? He said, well, I'm using it to, uh, you know, to train dogs on how to sniff out marijuana, why he would be do this, doing this training at his home as opposed to where the police dogs actually are at the station is unknown and why he had another three pounds of it in the trunk of his car, also unknown. Um, no charges will be filed. This is literally the only case I've ever heard of somebody possessing five pounds of marijuana illegally. He is not, he was not allowed to have it. That was, there was one place and one place only for that marijuana. And that is in an evidence locker. So he clearly broke the law, massive amount of weed, no charges filed. Now here's, here's something a little bit different. This is not police stuff. As you've been listening, if you've been listening to this program a week, you know that I've been, um, Strong, strong oppo opponent, opponent, strong supporter of gay rights. Gay should have the same rights as, as everybody with marriage, legal, doc, everything, you know, and it's, uh, we're a long way from being there. That said, um, this sort of thing can go too far. Here's an example. Um, you know, I think. Let me put it to you this way. If there, if there is a, a business that is outwardly saying, you know, we don't want to serve gay people, we don't want to hire them, this, that, and the other thing, I would never give them my business. And I would probably try to spread the word that these people are assholes and other people should take their business elsewhere. That would be their First Amendment right as well as mine. So when, for example, a guy who makes cakes does not want to make cakes for a gay wedding. Now, th this guy in question in this article, he has, he has gay customers. He has no problem serving gay customers. Um, I believe he even has gay employees. But he draws the line. He does not want to make cakes for gay weddings because he is a Christian and he believes he does not believe in gay marriage. Okay. So, um, I probably would not give him my business, um, for, I don't know, buying cookies and cakes, but I believe it's his right. It's his business. There, there is a point that you get with these rights where, it changes from being, you know, equal rights for everybody, regardless of race, color, creed, or sexual orientation, to the point where now you are actually infringing on the rights of a private citizen or a private business owner can, to conduct their business the way that they want. And it also begs the question that if you're going to this guy and I, I don't know if he's stupid or just principled for 
actually telling them the reason why he's declining their business. It's most likely the latter. But if you go to this guy and you say, hey, I, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting married, it's going to be a gay wedding, and I want a, a cake with two grooms or two brides on the top, and he says, no, it's against my sexual, my, it's, it's against my religious beliefs, then it's not like you can't get a cake somewhere else. Why is it so important for you to sue this guy? Because you don't really want to give him your business. You want him, you want to force him to do something that you believe in. You, and you're knowingly violating his rights as a private business to conduct this business the way he wants. He is actually, and I would honestly go the extra step to say if he didn't want to serve gay people, honestly, I think it's despicable, but I don't think it should be illegal. Here's a guy, he's willing to have gay customers. He has no problem with it. He just doesn't want to do this one thing. He does not want to make something in which he which he believes is a, uh, marriage is a, a religious, in his belief, marriage is a religious procedure, a ceremony. And it would be against his religion to do that. That's his First Amendment, right? And that's his right as a business owner to not do something that he does not want to do. If somebody came in and said, I want a 13-foot tall cake in the shape of a penis erupting uh, vanilla frosting out of the top, d doesn't he have the right not to do that because he thinks it's offensive? He actually does. But according to law now, well, we're going to see where this case goes. He may not have the right to decline making a cake that doesn't fit his uh, religious beliefs. This is this is when it goes too far. It's too much. You can have your rights, but once you're infringing on someone else's, then it's not a right anymore. It's a privilege taken by force. I don't know a better way to put that. Okay, Michael, I was only looking at the chat because I was posting the link. Um, you, Michael Morris, just he just posted the nuclear bomb question. How about refusing to serve black people? Um, that's a good question. And I'm reluctant to answer this because it will be misinterpreted, but There was a time in the 1960s where there was Jim Crow and all of this other horrible stuff going on, mostly in the Deep South, where something had to be done, where if you were black, and if you were black in the Deep South, you were certainly poor, um, you were being denied the ability to visit businesses based on this prejudice, and it was backed by laws. Um, it was so egregious, it was so horrible that there were, you know, certain goods and services that you just couldn't get if you were black. I think something needed to be done back then, and something was done. So if you're asking that question, you know, it's 1959 or something like that, I might have had a different opinion. Um, it's 2014. I say... That in this day and age, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hiding behind the morality of that, but you asked me that question today as you just did. 
Yes. I say if a business owner wants to announce that he will not serve black people, do I think that it is his right as a business owner? I do. I think it's disgusting. And I think he would go out of business overnight just about anywhere in this country. There may be pockets of massive incest and mental retardation in the Deep South due to said sleeping with brother or sister, where the majority of the population there is so backward that this sort of thing does. I'm talking about the majority of America. Anybody who does that, anybody who is known for not serving black people in a restaurant, you are going to go out of business overnight. You are, you're going to have the NAACP so far, and the ACLU so far up your ass so quickly with so many lawsuits, you are going to go out of business. From the so, uh, Put those organizations aside. Social media will destroy you. You will go out of business overnight. So if, I say, if you want to do that, great. I, I say, great. Well, it'll just be one less anti-black person doing business. Overnight. Um, no, I, 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 but at the end of the day, do I think it should be illegal? No. We have such tools today available to us through social media and, and, and just, I don't know, just even beyond that, just word of mouth, however that comes, even, even if it just stayed local in that town, nobody's going to give their business. The majority of people, they're not going to give their business to that guy. So wrong is it wrong to not let black people into your business? Um, I think on a human level, yes, it's wrong. On an ethical or legal level, no, I don't think it should be illegal. And I know that's a pretty controversial position, but um, rights are rights. When you infringe on the rights of someone else, you get some su supposed social justice. It is not a right. There's a privilege by force. Good question. Thanks. Uh, glad I looked up, Mike. Um, stand by just one moment, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to attempt to bring Dino on so we can talk about this Italian scammer. Stand by. Bye. All right, Dino, can I get a, uh, a sound check from you, my friend? Check, check. Oh, that's three. good, good. Uh, God knows if the phones are working or not, um, but at least Dino's here. Thank you, sir, for calling in. What's going on, my man? Same old stuff, buddy. How you doing? Good. Uh, give me, I'm just twiddling some knobs over here. Give me one more sound check, please. Hello, hello. Happy Hanukkah. When am I getting my free Manischewitz? I'll buy it for you today. I don't know where to get it, but I'll, I'm sure I'll find it. I like the grape flavor, like the, <laughs> I know it's all grape flavor, but I, th I like the sweet stuff. 
I never, I never tasted it. I don't think I have. I, I, I think I have. Um, like I, I think, I think my mother probably forced me to go to some, uh, some family's Passover. I, I, I vaguely remember, and it, and and I remember it being, I don't know, terrible. I mean, at the, at the time, I think my only experience was in Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, which I would have far for, uh, preferred. For what it's worth. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. So I've been I've been seeing these posts from Dino on uh, he posts on Facebook and Twitter always about this Pippo. What what what's this guy's name? Uh, Pippo uh, J Mod. Oh He's a uh, Italian modder. Italian modder. Okay, so I keep seeing this stuff, and, and Dino's mad, and I, and I didn't know why, but I, I I kept on looking at the posts and threw all the back and forth, and then I finally kind of looked into it a little more carefully. It turns out. Well, I'll let, why don't you tell the story, Dino? What's what, what's the deal with these with the with this J Pippo mods? Well, this guy uh, he was a modder, and uh, you know he's a uh, so-called modder. But about a year ago, he came out with a Damascus tube mod, a regular mechanical mod, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a pretty expensive mech mod. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he did have a list. He he uh, he did deliver on all the mods, from what I understood. So. I just assumed he was a you know a legit guy and you not really to worry about him. And then he put up a list for this mod called the Mammoth, uh, which was I think back in September, and it was a DNA thirty. It was actually just before the DNA forty was even you know released, and uh, it was just a mechanical uh, uh, a regulated box mod. Uh, made from Damascus steel and some exotic woods. And uh, he put a list up and he got 100 takers, me being one of them. And uh, it was a pre-order. And we all paid uh, about $550. It was actually a 26650 mechanical device. I, that's, I think that was the reason why I, uh, I wanted to get, get it. Uh -huh. And... Uh, it was supposed to be delivered in 60 days. 60 days came and went, and he was posting pictures of his progress. Uh, just looked like he had some delays. And then the first mod got delivered, or the first two mods got delivered to customers, and they were inoperable. Uh, Wouldn't fire. The work, would not fire. One of them, from what I understand, actually... The guy tried to charge it, and it caught fire oh, uh, good. when he plugged it in. And the workmanship was ridiculous. I mean, so as soon as I saw that, I, I, I contacted the guy on Facebook. And I said, you know, what's, what's the deal? I, uh, these look a little bit, they look a lot worse than, uh, you know, we were expecting something a lot better for $550. You would think you're going to get something that's perfect. And it was far from perfect. A little fugazi. And, oh, my God, it was horrible. Uh, you know, and I'm just looking at videos. I can imagine what it looked like in person. So he, he started to tell me about how, you know, it was the first few that went out. And he guaranteed that the, the balance that were going to be shipped were going to be correct. So my first question to him was, well, I don't understand. How did you, you know, you're the modder. You're the guy making these things. How did you look at these and decide it was okay to send them out. Apparently you're, you know, what you think is good and what I think is good is two different things. So he just begged and pleaded with me to 
just hang in there. It's it, he guaranteed it was going to be good. I wound up just told him, I said, "Listen, I'm not interested anymore. I just want my money back." And then it just came one excuse after the next, mm-hmm. on and on and now, on. Now, did he did, then, did he he initially did he initially say, "Okay, you got, you're going to get a refund"? Oh yeah. And, yeah. and how long ago was that? It was about a week. It was right when I started posting. Yeah. About I guess a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And you know he he was telling me that uh, he just had to get his secretary to, uh, you know, refund the money and this that the other thing, and you know obviously it didn't happen. And now he's uh, and in the midst of all of this, you know the the, the first run of these was a hundred pieces, of which he filled the list and 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 collected uh, uh, over fifty thousand dollars. Um. He now you're getting you're, you're you're getting near what's supposed to be the delivery of the first run. He opens a second list, and people start jumping on that list. And uh, I believe he got maybe sixty or so people uh, to 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 get on that list. So the, the, you know, right now the way it stands is this guy has got. Somewhere between seventy five and hundred thousand dollars of everybody's money, and uh, now yeah, and, and let's go, let's, let's go let's go through that math a little bit. This was a five hundred dollar device, which first of all, you're fucking nuts, man. <laughs> you're, you're nuts. Anybody five hundred dollars? I mean, and you have access to Mamu. Mamu makes the best mods in the world. Yeah, you know me. I like to try everything. I like. I see something. You're out of your fucking mind. Uh, whatever. I'm out of my mind. You want to? I'm kicking myself in the ass now. So anyway, five uh, was it five hundred or five fifty each? It was it came out to five hundred and fifty? Five hundred and fifty dollars, and then the first run was a hundred people, right? Right. And then there was probably another fifty to a hundred after that, right? Well, it was open to a hundred. I, I think he got somewhere around fifty or sixty. Okay, so let's say so let's say a hundred and fifty. 550 times 150 that's uh, 82,500 dollars so you know you're, you're looking anywhere and it could be more so you're looking anywhere between you know probably 75,000 and a hundred thousand dollars of money that he's got and nobody's got product that is that's a big nut <laughs> absolutely that's a lot of scratch uh, yeah. just to walk away for just walk away with no repercussions at all and there's and there's it's so sad because there's, you know, most of these people are probably in America, although they're probably, it's probably split between America and, and elsewhere in Europe. And unless there's somebody, and maybe that's the question to ask, does somebody know where this motherfucker lives? That's the question. Um, anybody in Italy, I know I got some listeners in Italy, just, can you please send me an email if anybody knows where the fuck this guy is? Something there's a little has more to be information done. that surfaced today about let's, who let's he Let's hear is. it. Uh, his now this is all Facebook stuff, so you know you got to take that with a grain of salt. But yeah. his name uh, is Philip. Wait, hold on, I got to pull it up. Philip Bush or Bushy or something like that. I got to find it. If you could find so, it. Yeah, and, and he, uh, yeah, Filippo Buscemi, uh, and he's got a Facebook page, Philip Bush. How do, you, and, how do you spell his last name? Uh, B-U-S-C-E-M-I. Mm-hmm. First and, name is Filippo. And he's got a Facebook? The yeah, I can give you the link. Uh, I, actually, I can put it in the chat. But there's no activity on this Facebook page. This might be something old. 
Who knows? But apparently now what he's done is he's he's uh, blocked a, a, a lot of the customers from the Facebook page that he was selling the mods on. Mm-hmm. So you can't even you can't even look at it anymore. At least some of us can't look at it anymore. So, and I, you know, I would post something up, and he would come in and try to, you know, uh, just make me, you know, try to make me look bad. Meanwhile, I'm the consumer. I'm the guy. I just want my money back. Yeah, and that's it. And you know, but I tried to torture him enough that he w- that maybe he wanted to get rid of me, uh, but it didn't work. He's just he's rolling around in a bed full of money right now. Yeah, he sure is. Well, to anyone out there, I mean, anyone who paid the money probably already knows uh, it would be a good idea to take whatever action you can to get your money back. So um, as far as PayPal is concerned, it kind of depends on when you put it in, right? Because PayPal just changed their terms on, on, on that. How does that work? Yes, yeah, sometime in November they changed the terms where you were allowed to put it in dispute up to 180 days, but before no, sometime in November, you only had up to 45 days. So my uh, mine was paid for. I think it's, it's September 18th, and I took a balance out of my PayPal to pay for it. So I didn't even use a credit card against my PayPal. If I had used a credit card against my PayPal, I could have went back to the credit card company. Uh, so. But if you know, there's there's some loopholes that you could probably uh, get by to get get some of your money back. Yeah, and if, and if I, you know, and you never know if if PayPal if PayPal sees well 150 people as it may be, you know, complaining about this guy, you know, at the least it's going to cause some problems for him. But maybe maybe they'll do something out of the ordinary to get people their money back once they see that 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 yeah, number of people. I doubt that very very yeah, much. Yeah, I know, but it's worth a shot. It, 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 listen, you already lost $550, what else do you have to lose? So <laughs> True. True. And it's a shame. Here's, you know, the, the thing that kills me about the, you know, and I'm an idiot because I I I never do pre-orders when I sell my stuff. Uh only because you during machining, during, you know, having things manufactured Anything can happen. So I don't want to be on the hook for if something comes out messed up and then I got all these people, you know, all these people's money. So I would rather wait. You know, we wait until it's in the package, ready to, like, ship out the door before it goes up for sale. And the other thing is, whatever happened to using, you know, you want to go into business, you got to make an investment. This yeah. is not an investment anymore. Now, what you're you, you're 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 the investor now. Yeah, it's people basically people who are involved in these pre-orders. It's basically like it's the difference between like okay, I want to make something, so I don't know, maybe you go to the bank or, or some kind of lending service. There, there there's lending services online now, and make an arrangement or a contract there. Instead of that, it's you're making an arrangement where if you fuck up, you just get free money. You just you're just fleecing the customers or the anticipated customers and that's i think that's what usually happens with these things we've seen these there's no risk time and yeah we've seen these time and time again and i think i think a lot of the times and i'm going to go over one that i have some personal responsibility with um after we talk about this but i I think there have been times where people they, they have good intentions they think that they are going to make a great product and get it out there and it's going to be great and this pre order money is going to be a good deal for the customers 
and then they get in over their head or they have a catastrophic uh, manufacturing error that costs them money and they can't afford it. And lo and behold, they can't afford to get the product out. So therefore, they, they can't afford to give the money back. Now, at, the, at, at that time, what's the right thing to do? You bite the bullet, you eat it, and you give the people their money back. But that rarely happens. Right. And so I, I don't think it starts with uh, with bad intentions. I don't I, I, I don't know about this guy, but we'll talk about the Supermax. I mean, I don't think he planned on taping, taking people's money and running away. But sometimes people just get over their head and then they just say, fuck it. And they, they just check out and... You know, at you know the other thing too is your projected cost. You think, you know, you go into something with a budget, thinking you're going to spend so much money, and then you know you go into production, and then things happen. You have to sometimes you have to shell out more money to get it completed. You know, so if he if he took a, a number a certain number that he thought he was going to be able to get away with it, uh, let's say you know five hundred and fifty dollars. Let's say it was going to cost him two hundred dollars to make it. So he took that other two hundred fifty dollars. He went and he spent it like a dummy. And left the balance just for his run, and then he screwed it up. So he's got nothing left now. Yep. So it's it's just a big mess, and it's it's a shame, you know. And and I and I guess I say it again. I I can't believe I did it again. I can't believe I did it again. I but think whatever. the I think the moral of the story here is especially, especially these days where you know we're not a a community of of hundreds or even a few thousand, but you know we're tens or hundreds of thousands of people. Um, the opportunity just to walk away, um, it's actually easier now. Uh, I, I would encourage, like, anyone, don't do pre-orders at all, period. Even if it's somebody you trust, because God knows there's been people that have come and go in this community that I would have trusted with a whole lot. Forget about a couple hundred dollars. I would have trusted them with a lot more, and then, well, they're not here anymore, and uh, neither is the the money from the people they took it from. Just don't do pre-orders. The risk is just too great. Um, just wait. Just wait until th th they do it through a different business model. Or if you must, maybe you know a buddy, and maybe they're dumb enough to do the pre-order. Tell them, hey, listen, if you buy two, when you get it, I'll get. Let's say it was a hundred dollars. When you get it, I'll give you one hundred twenty for it. You know, something like that, where at least you have a little bit of production. If the, your your friend wants to take the risk for that, most pre-orders do work out, but. Um, I don't think anything doesn't work out as much as pre-order. So you're at the most amount of risk to save a little bit of money. Um, just wait. Just wait or don't do it. I, I mean, it's dangerous. You're, you're, you're putting, you are gambling with 100% of your money um, that, you, that you put forward into this thing. And in many cases, you, you, you're just not going to have any, any kind of redress for, 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 for not getting your product. It's just not worth it. Don't do it. Pre-orders. Pre-orders, that's... That's the number one, I think that's number one worst of 2014, all pre-orders, just even if they work, just just stop doing it. It's 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 risky for everyone concerned. It's, don't do it. Just just buy shit that's on a shelf. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I don't think I'll be doing any more of these. No, no. Um, so anyway, if anyone has interest, if any of my Italian listeners, if you're out there, you know, Give it to me. You can be anonymous. Clickbang email. I'm sorry. Clickbangradio at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me about this guy. Where is he? Where, you know, what, what is he doing? And, you know, then we'll send the the, the, the burning crosses and the, and the pitchforks and, and everything because uh, these people deserve their money back. We're talking about, you know, potentially $100,000. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, how's, how's things otherwise with you? Are you, you, 
What do you do on Sundays now that that Kevin doesn't have you on the show? <laughs> I spend it with my grandson. That's, oh, that's my day. Oh, that's nice. That's my that's my day. I don't know. We'll see. And maybe uh, maybe we'll get together for the holidays. You know that would we be haven't done. That would be nice. I would like that. Um, yeah. Anything else new with uh, products or anything else going on with you? Uh, you know, we got a couple of things uh, that we're going to be working on. Give me something. Nah, not yet. Nah. It's too early. All right. Some good stuff, though. Well, listen, the marquee's a hit, and everyone seems to love it, so you did well with that. Very nice. Yeah, thanks. It was good. All right, thanks for coming on, and thanks for uh, thanks for handing out the first award for, for tonight. All right, buddy. There he goes, everybody. Dino from Insignia Design Group. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Cheers. So let's go through, let's do the, how about this? We'll do the, my, uh, three, the three best vapors of 2014. We'll do the good first, then I'll make it quick. Number one, and if somebody, I, I neglected to fetch the link. Stand by. I think I just got something I want to read. Um, give me two seconds. Two seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Okay. Uh, apparently somebody's got a beat on this guy. More info probably next week. Anyway, um, good. Thank you. We have traction. Uh, anyway, uh, so worst of 2014. Oh, no, 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 the best. I want to do the best. So if somebody could, the, 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 I think the number one dude for, number one dude in the vaping community, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anyone better than Vince from Australia. I he, he was a guest on my show a while back. He's still, you know, fighting this. Uh, what would amount to a, a what would lead to a ban of all electronic cigarette sales? Everything, batteries, liquid, anything electronic cigarette. If this guy loses his court case, that's what stands to happen in Australia. He is literally um, a David versus. Um, the Goliath that is the, the continent of Australia um, fighting with, with tens of thousands of dollars of his own money. And, and uh, thank you. Thank, thankfully almost a hundred thousand dollars at this point. I don't know how close he is. If, if somebody could get the link for me, that would be great. I know somebody has got his GoFundMe page. He's, he's uh, dangerously close to actually having the funding to proceed with his lawsuit. Uh, this guy is a true champion, a fighter, um, the likes of which we have never seen before in this community. He is number one. He is the man. Um, I would also like to say for best of 2014 for vapors, Suzanne Teresa. Um, Suzanne, if you guys don't know her, she uh, lives in Philadelphia, works for the Vapor Chef, who I've, I've never tried any of their products or anything. But um, what I am familiar with is um, the amount of tireless activism. And, and to be fair, I could probably think of 100 people who deserve to be lauded um, but there's just something about Suzanne where she is able to energize 
get people going, get people the, the, the success that she has had in getting vendors, vapors and vendors. I, I should have the emphasis the other way, but somehow we see at these meetings that pop up that the, the reluctance of, of vendors to show up is staggering and dumbfounding, but she's able to do it. She's able to get these guys to come to meetings. And uh, other than that, she's just an all-around rad chick. So, Suzanne, you're the best of 2014. Um, and then I, the third person I'd like to name is somebody who's not really that visible at all in the community. Um, somebody who has helped me quite a bit. I've had, uh, I've had a bit of a rough year in certain respects of my personal life. And, um, the person who's helped me through that is my father. And, um, you know, you're, you're not going to see him on, on Twitter and Facebook talking about vaping. Um, but that there was, there was a period where I just wanted to throw all of this away. And, I don't know if I'd still be doing, you know, at, at least for a time, I just, just wanted to run away. And my dad helped me through that. And I just want to thank you, dad, for being there for me. Um, you're not, you're not the best of 2014. You're the best of all time. I love you, dad. All right. My first choice. Well, let's yeah, do something fairly obvious. Um, my first choice for the worst of 2014 would be the just uh, just about the entire public health community. Uh, not just just from alphabet soup, American lung cancer, heart, all those to all the organizations that are anti-smoking, um, you can separate out maybe a half a dozen of those. You know, I'm I'm not down with the anti-smoking zealots, but at least a few of them. Um, Aksha, Bill Godshaw, a few others have recognized that vaping um, is an, is a huge net positive for public health, the vast majority of the others, um, you know, maybe you would give them a pass in 2009, 2010, when these e-cigarettes hit the market and they just thought the worst, just because of preconceived notions of nicotine, of anything that looks like smoking, all that stuff, you know, give them, okay, so maybe you give them a pass to start. At this point in 2014, there is no way that they do not know somebody personally in their lives who has switched from smoking to vaping, who has been extolling the virtues of this product to the point where they would have to take a second look. They would have to take a look at some of the independent research that, that's been done. That they would have to take a look at, and I'm not talking about the people with the big fat paychecks on the top. They've knew, they, they knew from the start. I'm talking about the people on the ground, the people who are, advocates much in the way that so many of us are volunteers that they did not that the vast majority of them still have not done anything to take a second look at this technology you are the worst 
You are the worst of 2014. Enjoy. Yeah. You know, enjoy is looking, if you, you look out there, you know, enjoy's got a pretty high opinion. Or I, I should say most of the community has a fairly high opinion of enjoy right now. Probably higher than ever before. After all, it was a company that could be dismissed for their products for so long. They didn't make anything that worked. It was garbage. They were dismissed because their shit sucked. And then all of a sudden, one day, they made the Enjoy King, arguably the best still to this day disposable electronic cigarette. I sung the praises of the device because it is so good. And then suddenly... They started. Um, they started making some. Went. I, I suppose you would. Anyone would would consider some very anti-community remarks, actively um, opposing any kind of open system, anything that was not a sealed cartomizer, as well as all flavors besides tobacco and menthol. They said this publicly. They did it in press releases. This is, uh, you know suggesting that the only products that should be legal are closed cartomizers in menthol and tobacco flavors. They backed off later and did a mea culpa, which I, okay. You know, they did because they had to. Um, the The market for Sigalikes was going pretty well up until the open systems actually got good. Uh, sometime in 2011, 2000, well, probably 2012, late 2012, 2013, um, clearmizers started to actually work properly, you know? So they were able to capture a portion of the market who never would have bothered with them because, you know, th these things, it was crazy for so long. You had to cut the wicks. You had to take a wick out. You had to, it was, it was crazy. You know, the shit didn't work until you fucking rebuild it. Fast forward, and, you know, all of a sudden the shit works. So all those vapors who maybe did try them and said, shit, this doesn't work, I'll just stick with a Logic or a Blue or an Enjoy, now they were able to move into these products that worked, and all of a sudden when that happened, Enjoy said, oh, hey, you know what? On second thought, clearomizers that you can fill yourself, and fruit flavors, all that, that's all, all of a sudden good. Okay, so they, they changed their mind because, well, they had to. Hmm, okay. That's not why they're making the worst of 2014, though. They're making the worst of 2014 because here's what they're doing. And, you know, this is, um, I, I'm stating my opinion here, but I have to give credit to Dimitri to waking me up to the underlying plan of what's going on here. So, um, like I said, I'm expressing my opinion here. Um, but Dimitri, um, woke me up to some facts about this company, about what they're doing and why they're doing it. See, if you look at that, there, there's an actual stock index of, um, I think it's just, I think the stock is eSig. I think eSig something. I don't know. There's a stock index. It, it went to the huge, they had a huge market market share at one, uh, market cap at, at one point. The stock was like 50 bucks at one point. They started buying up all these Sigalite companies. They started with Victory, which was the worst at the, the bottom of the barrel, but they bought a bunch and they were doing real well. 
And then the open systems started being uh, working better. And all of a sudden, now when you look when you look at financial reports on e-cigarettes, it's all doom and gloom because basically all they're really measuring is what they know and what they have good data on, which is stuff that's sold at convenience stores and 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 whatnot and online affiliate sales. So that that shit is 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 it's going down. I mean, uh, dramatically. So. You know, and a, and a lot of these companies aren't smart enough that, you know, I give credit, enjoy this for being smart enough to, uh, to, to reverse their tail and try to do something different. But what, 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 what happened along the way, you see, enjoy, they have to sell. Um, they have to get bought out by big tobacco to survive. And the reason why is because back when big tobacco didn't have a product back when big tobacco didn't own blue, um, enjoy got shelf space in uh, 7-Eleven, gas stations, you name it. Um, they got the majority of it. They had the best product. Now you got Mark 10. Now you got Blue, owned by uh, Big Tobacco. And then you got other, there's other ones out there. Um, they went from having all the shelf space to a minority, a vast minority of it. You walk into 7-Eleven, you used to, they used to have these spinning carts of Enjoy Kings sitting right on the counter. You can't find those anymore. You see a little tiny spot, and and why? Because, listen, Enjoy doesn't have, you know, Seven Eleven is buying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Each Seven Eleven is buying tens of thousands of dollars of cigarettes every month. The tobacco wholesalers have an enormous amount of say as to what goes on the shelf and what doesn't, and where it goes on the shelf. They have pushed Enjoy to the side sometimes completely off the shelf, depending on what bodega or convenience store you're talking about. You might not even be able to find Enjoy anymore. Um, so Enjoy is losing shelf space every day, uh, and they have to do something about it. Now, they had a deal. I forget who it was with, but Enjoy had a deal with one of the big tobacco players. For some reason, it didn't happen. I don't know why. But their, their lifesaver was was quickly yanked um, above board. And now they are struggling, and they are going to continue to go down and down and down. How do they get out of this? Well, financial investors are waking up to the fact now that these closed system gas station and convenience store selling e-cigarettes are on the down and down, and the open and then the open system store... Uh, the open systems like uh, clearomizers, uh, rebuildables, and higher performance devices are on the up and up. And where are those found? In vaping brick and mortars. So it's a very important financial indicator for these investors that are deciding who they're going to put venture capital into is, are you there? They don't care so much anymore about, are you there in 7-Eleven, they don't care that much anymore. That are you there in a gas station? They care very much all of a sudden. Are you there in a vaping brick and mortar? So Enjoy did something very smart and very sneaky, which is, um, this is just my opinion. It's just going to lead to a disaster. What they did was they started reaching out to the community say, hey, we're... We're one of you. We want to be a part of you. 
come be a part of us. Come be a part of Enjoy. All you talented flavor makers out there, why don't you make some flavors for us? And what? Listen, I don't blame the people making these flavors. This is complicated stuff we're talking about. What a way to put yourself on the map by making a, a flavor for Enjoy. That's a big new thing. And of course, Enjoy, they're, they're making some, you know, they, they can't keep up with the technology. They, 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 got a, they got an ego. They got a, they got a clear eyes or whatever. It's bullshit, you know. But the liquid is significant. If they could get some big names behind the liquids and then pump it out to any reviewer who will be, I hate to say foolish enough not, look, not to look into the facts behind what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get themselves on the shelves in brick and mortars so they can have that all-important um, category filled um, that, you know, Logic and Blue simply, they're, they're never going to get. At that point, they, um, they leave themselves in a favorable position for have to, to have one of two things happen. Number one, uh, what they're really looking for is to get bought out by Big Tobacco. Number two, maybe they can get a little venture capital. Um, the prize is to be bought out by Big Tobacco. What does that mean for vapors? Not much. Um, the liquid, I'm sure, is fine. Um, but, I, you know, the prize is to be on that shelf and then it's not that big of a deal to vapors. It's going to very suddenly be a very, a very big deal to owners of brick and mortars. All of a sudden, there's going to be one day. I don't know if it's going to be a week from now. I don't know if it's going to be a month. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, a year. All of a sudden, you are going to have big tobacco on your shelf. I don't know what kind of agreement you made with them, but I hope it's one you can uh, you can just throw them in the garbage. It's going to happen. Um, that's my prediction for 2015, that you will be seeing big tobacco on the shelf of brick and mortars, courtesy of Enjoy. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but until then, um, I've said it before, and I'll probably continue to say it. Fuck you, Enjoy. You make the worst of 2014. Uh, I forgot to say this earlier. Um, anyone who is still wiping their ass with normal toilet paper, you are also part of the worst of 2014 because I've told you so explicitly how to end this unsanitary practice by simply following my guide to proper anal cleaning, um, uh, proper post-bowel movement, bowel movement cleaning using Viva paper towels and my, what I should have, I don't know if you could patent butt wiping, but if, I, I should have done it. Listen, I gave it out for free. Look in the ClickBang ar archives, how to wipe your butt properly. I've gotten a lot of messages from people telling me that this has changed their life. Now, if you listen to that show and you haven't tried it, then you got you got shit in your ass. You got a shitty ass. You got turds up there. It's disgusting. It's a simple procedure. Yes, these are premium paper products, so they have a premium price. But this is something you do every day. You should be cleaning your butt properly. You should be using my method and you should be using Viva paper towels.
If you don't, then you have a dirty butt. There's people probably can catch a whiff of it sometimes. You got shit in your ass. Simple as that. I can say with 100%, 100%, when I'm done taking a dump, there's no shit in my ass and there's no extra remnants in my colon. I have a full elimination and my procedure cleans out any remnants 100%. Can you say that? Think about it. Uh, another quick thing before I continue with the list. By far, the most popular character I have come up with on ClickBang um, is Fred, the Battle Monkey. As you know, if you've, if you've heard the two episodes that highlighted Fred, uh, one of them is, uh, uh, is Suicide Bunny chock full of diacetyl. That's the introduction. Then there's another episode a little bit later uh, that says the, the return of Fred the Battle Monkey. As you would know from listening to those episodes, uh, Fred does have some um, ability to use a computer. He has an iPad, actually. Um, he's remarkably, remarkably adept with it. And he actually joined Twitter. That's right. Fred the Battle Monkey is on Twitter, and he wants to talk to you. You can go add him, and, he, and he's, uh, he's very lively. There's things that confuse him, but um, I think you'll find him as, as lovable and charismatic as you found him right here on this program. Okay, I think the all-time... Oh, shit. I forgot to do this. I should have done this. Sorry. I meant to do this right after Dino was talking about the uh, this Pippo guy. And my my phone is, it is it is buzzing. So something's going on. Maybe I'll even have an update on After Hours. I don't know. But certainly in a, in a week. Maybe we'll have some traction on this cocksucker. Anyway, um, I am the winner of one of the, the worst of 2014 awards. Because I, um, I don't know how long, this was probably, this is probably going back a solid year, maybe more, where I had it, I had a good word from somebody who said, hey, listen, this guy, John Pinky from Artisan Vaping, he's making this box mod for a very reasonable price that's going to be like a 70 or 80 watt box mod with a single button menu system. Um, great for, you know, everything about it just seemed great. I hooked up with the, with John. Now this is a guy, this is why it surprised me so much. This guy had, had been around a long time. He had made several devices. Um, some people really liked them. He had made a lot of products. Never, there was never really any malfeasance going on. He made stuff. People bought stuff. Seemed okay. Seemed like an established company. So when he was making this new Supermax device, I contacted him. I got a prototype. Prototype rocked. It was a powerful device and a small footprint. And the price that it was going to be sold for was extremely reasonable. I promoted the motherfucker out of this because I, you know, I believe in safety. I believe in regulation, regulated devices. I am a, against these these box mods uh, these unregulated box mods and un unregulated uh, tube mods 
I think they're crazy. Someone's going to fucking die one day. So here's a guy making something with big power. You know, back then, uh, I don't even think the DNA 30 was out by the, when I first started talking about it. So you had 20, basically you had 20 watts or regulated or, or, or not. Or if you wanted to go higher than that, you're shit out of luck. Now here's a guy making a 70 watt thing. I'm like, this is it. This is the future. This is the beginning. And I was very excited about it. I had him on my program um, at least once and talked about this device a whole lot. Got a lot of people excited about it. I got a lot of people to give this man their money. Now, at first, there were some major eyebrows raised when he missed his uh, release date by several months. However, during this time, he was still communicating with people, even publicly um, appearing at a vape meet. I, I saw that as a big thing. He had the balls to show up at a public event where there was a thousand or more vapors, um, probably dozens of people who had ordered something from him who could interact with him in person. I saw that as a big plus. That first run that was so late came out. People got their shit. I got my shit. People I know got their shit. It was a good device. Uh, not perfect by any means. The menu system is atrocious, but the form factor is great. It has a lot of functions on it. It's small and it's powerful and has a, a, a huge battery. And the price was so right. And at this point, it was like an 80 watt device. So, you know, great. First run came out. I continued to promote this, saying it was a great device. That beyond the menu system, this thing is a powerhouse. It's small with a great battery, and the price can't be beat. Now, I'm not quite sure what happened. There were, there were two more sets of pre-orders on this thing, and there's the fucking magic word, pre-order. There were two more sets. I don't know fully what happened with the second run. I don't know if everybody got their stuff, but then there was a third run. And if you ordered on that third run, you are shit out of luck. He's gone. I can't get a hold of him. Nobody can get a hold of him. Nobody can get a hold of their money. So I don't know if it's as bad as this Pippo thing that happened that Dino just talked about. Um, but this one, I have some responsibility. I trusted the guy, and uh, I shouldn't have. I feel, I feel terrible that a lot of these people who bought this mod did so because I talked about it in such a laudatory fashion. So, um, sorry, if you are one of those people who bought a, uh, bought a Supermax and you got nothing, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to, pre-orders are just, just fuck it. Like, I'm never talking about, I'm the fuck, fuck it, I'm never talking about something you can't go walk into a store and buy off a shelf. It's too dangerous. I'm sorry. I'm a dick. So who takes the cake? Number one with a bullet. Suicide bunny. Not because I tested their liquid and it came out positive for uh, acetylpropanol. No, that puts them in the majority of liquid makers. Um, as evidenced, not just by, the, yeah, I mean, you know, the first Salino study said it all, 75%. 
you know, most of most of them, most are all, I forget, claiming to be diacetyl and acetylpropanol free, right? So everybody's ignoring the issue and just trusting. That, so, okay, fine. You are a part of the majority of clueless e-liquid manufacturers, right? Okay, fine. But how this company, how they dealt with what I did and made it personal towards me, that made shit up that never happened, saying it was an elaborate conspiracy between me and people whose names don't need, the, the names and companies that don't need to be dragged through the mud, made stuff up because I'll tell you what, I know the truth. The truth is that I saw a study that got no attention. I got mad. I chose the most expensive e-liquid that I knew about and decided, let's see who's the, let's see how they respond. Her response was the most flippant of the four. So I said, okay, fuck you. I'm testing your shit. This was all me, 100%. I consulted with no one. It all just came out of one of those days where I get pissed off about something and decide to do something. Frankly, she was the, the company, her, whatever you want to call it. They were just unfortunate. But, but the, the, it could have been, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think it really, I'm not sure if it mattered to them as a company anymore. I, I, I really don't. I have no idea. I have no data. I, I, I couldn't tell you. But it, it was really an opportunity. The, 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 the Chinese, the, the word for crisis is identical to the word for opportunity. Um, it could have been an opportunity for them to act in a way that would have been a model for all of these other boutique or, or gourmet e-liquids or whatever you want to call it. They could have said, you know, we didn't know about this. We weren't as educated. They could have come clean and said, listen, this was, we, we were going on the word of our, of our flavor manufacturers. We know not to do that anymore. We're going to take this seriously. We're going to take these lab tests seriously. We're going to look into it. And we're going to, you know, make changes because this is important. Instead, they made completely unsubstantiated um, claims about how um, diacetyl and acetylpropanol um, is completely benign or, 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 or next to that. They did lab testing that they didn't even understand to begin with. They lied to their customers. And this is evidenced by, you know, there's such a paper trail. I can prove everything. Believe me, I, I paid real close attention to everything that was posted. I have flat-out lies that I can prove that they didn't even know how to test it right. Shit, they sent their stuff into a lab. They got it back, and they said, hey, look, there's no diacetyl. I'm like, genius. I didn't find any diacetyl either. Did you even test for acetylpropanol? Oh, uh, yeah, those tests are going to take another day. And then they're stupid enough They're stupid enough to fucking put out the papers when that actually comes out. They weren't even smart enough to fucking... Photoshop the papers to show that it was to show that it was the same batch. No, it was a completely different. They didn't even know how to test it. They didn't even know what to ask for. They didn't even know what to look for. And you know what? I don't know. I don't know what the right thing for them to do as a company would have been. You know, just in terms of their bottom line. I'd like to think that you could have generated so much more goodwill by looking at this, taking you know, saying we're going to take this seriously make changes, the, the, the amount of positive press would have, I would, I would like to think would have been overwhelming. And I would have been the first one, uh, you know, to carry that torch.
but they didn't. Um, they made up stories, uh, you know, demonized me and others who had nothing to do with this. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think of their results. Listen, I know what I did. I, I and I'm I'm the only one who really knows, right? I know what I did. I went to a store. I bought two bottles. Didn't touch them other than to throw them in a box and send them to a lab. I got results, and the results they put out were completely different. What did they do to get those results? I have no idea. I do know that other people, uh, other shop owners have, have sent their stuff in and come back with bad results also. So I know what I believe. So getting back to the bottom line, what would have been the right thing for them to do? I don't even know. I don't know if in terms of their bottom line, if it would have been better for them to go the honest, virtuous route that I outlined before, or if they really did the right thing. That that, that by, you know, making up shit about me and other people and, and uh, you know, getting however they got the results that they got, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's, it's sad because, you know, I think there was some positive traction made with this issue, but very little. I think it was really in her hands. I think she could have made a, a huge difference in the industry. She, but instead proved that just by making shit up, and putting your head in the sand, you could still come up in the black. It's sad. It's really such a wasted opportunity. That being said, even worse than Suicide Bunny for the worst of 2014 is all of the other e-liquid manufacturers that just stood by and watched to see what would happen. And what they saw happen was the original, they were all watching. They all knew what was going on. And they said, a few, now a few said, let's get on this. And they did, and they made changes, and I salute you guys. And there were the rest who just watched. Now they knew. They, they didn't just watch. They had their shit tested, believe me. Behind the scenes, they were they, they were like, well, fuck, are we next? So they tested, and they know their shit's full of this stuff. You know, unless unless you're you're doing some hardcore research and development, if you've got a real buttery flavor, it's chock full of diacetyl or acetylpropanol. It just is. Unless you take unless you do some serious work, and most of these companies they didn't they didn't do anything. They said, let's see what's going to happen. Let's just watch. And what did they see? Sure, they saw a few companies change what they were doing. But they also saw that at the end of the day, Suicide Bunny, yes, they had a couple of uncomfortable months. No doubt about it. But at the end of the day, they got out scot-free. Not scot-free. Couple, couple bad months. But they were probably fine at the end of it. And people didn't, and they also saw that people were really less interested and maybe maybe some of the blame, I, I tried to be as explicit as possible, 
and maybe I'm just not as good of a communicator as, as I should be. I tried to get this out there that this is, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a change in the industry because not just the health, but the, but the, the publicity, the, the media backlash that, that it's still coming. It's going to come that we could get out of this. We could get out alive. That wasn't the main message. The main message was, Oh my God, suicide bunny's bad. I'm not going to use it anymore. Uh, and I, I, I couldn't, so many people ask me, they send me messages. What do I buy instead? I said, did you, did you even listen? It's everywhere. So the worst of uh, 2014, even worse than Suicide Bunny, are all the people who got to watch for free. They got to watch with their popcorn. And they came to the correct conclusion that they didn't have to do anything. Because the attention span of this community is roughly equivalent to that of a flea. And that, I suppose, leads us to our big winner. Our big winner for worst, the very worst of 2014, is just about every vapor out there who has never lifted a finger towards any kind of activism. You know, there's people that do this, that do it for money, and I say hats off. There's people that do it for free. I say hats off. And there's people, I'm not talking about the people who don't know. Because, you know, if you're a, it's quite likely that a, a good chunk, 25 to 50% of e-cigarette or vaping uh, customers who don't go online, they just walk into a store, buy something, and leave, didn't know anything or don't know anything about the landslide were about to be crushed by any more than they knew. I mean, shit, did you really know what was going on with tobacco legislation when you were smoking? Did you really care? No. So just because you switched to a new form of nicotine in, in, inhalation, I don't expect them to know. But there's so many people, the people that listen to the show, the people that are on Facebook every day, the people on Twitter, this, it's the data is, it's over, it's, it's overwhelming from the simplest metric from somebody posting something about, hey, this is important. This is an important advocacy issue that's going to affect, I don't know, this state, this county, the city, or it's federal, or, you know, FDA shit. Look at, just look at how often it's shared, or liked, or retweeted, or upvoted, or any, any, these are things you can just look, and that now look at, I don't know, look at a, you know, some, dick bag blowing a you know six foot high and 12 foot wide cloud or a hot chick blowing smoke rings or a hand check look at the difference in the comments the upvoting the retweeting all that it's it's so sad and it's it's a simple reflection of the fact that 95 percent of vapors do nothing I've not lifted one finger. I'm t and I'm talking about those that are online, active, who know. You are who I truly hate. You filthy slugs that sit there in a vape shop for six hours at a clip. Could you just take five minutes? between rebuilding your coil for the fourth time today 
send a letter to your representative just telling your story? Could you could you spend a second maybe going to the vaping militia or Kassaw and seeing if there's something near you that requires action? Could you just do something? But you don't. And you are the worst of the worst. If I had to, if I had to print, like if, if I had to like make trophies or gold medal, I'd need hundreds of thousands. For you, for you. The lazy. The cocksuckers. You are the worst.